0: hey welcome to Mountain Town diaries i'm just about to talk to one of my good friends uh dave jordan he's a he's a real fixture in the town he's done a lot of interesting things and it's going to be a great interview i hope you enjoy it all right we're here with my good friend dave how you doing dave
1: i'm doing very well greg thank you
0: good i'm i'm glad to be here with you this is i've been looking forward to this one
1: yeah it's a pleasure having you here at the house and uh Thanks for taking interest in me with your podcast. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. You, you're you you're really, when I think of, of this town, you're one of those people who are part of this town. For me, from my experience in this town, you're you're a big part of it.
1: Well, here lately, I've been hearing a lot of that um, from folks. You know, I've heard it for many, many years now. But it, since I've been here at the house uh, more, uh-huh. I have more people telling me, you know. But it just kind of just comes out of me, you know. Just how I, just how I am.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, you know, I'm almost, I'm going on 40 years here, so.
0: 40 years, well, that that brings me on to my first question. How did you find Lake City? Because you're I, from uh, Texas, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I'm from Southeast Texas. Mm-hmm. I uh, was born and raised down there on the family farm in the big thicket. Uh-huh. Uh, I worked in the oil fields uh, down there. Wow. And um, I came here because of my sister and my parents. Oh. My sister's husband uh, was an entrepreneur. Uh Uh-huh. He was in the oil business. Well, he came through Lake City one year and uh, discovered these old gold mines. Oh, really? You could just lease for almost nothing, and then as long as you sat there and did something with it, well. Uh Uh-huh. And then I was in a pretty uh, bad relationship, so I needed a change in life, and and, uh, the way things are going down there where I'm from, just a bad scene with people, and crime and drugs and you know you couldn't trust your neighbor anymore so oh that's a shame yeah i've always lived in a small town i've always been uh pretty much isolated you know i had all i had the whole big thicket when i was a kid to uh-huh explore and then my uh my sweet dad always made sure i had a motorcycle or a boat or something that i could go on
0: oh really so you grew yeah. up with motorcycles
1: yeah absolutely when i was like nine years old because you're a, you're a hardcore biker i would say well, i gotten out of it for a while being here um, just because of the riding season, but uh-huh. I'm really enjoying it over again.
0: Right, good.
1: Yeah, when I was about 12, well, my grandpa gave me his old Chevrolet, so... Nice. I immediately took the doors off of it and you know, taught myself <laughs> to be a stock car racer. So. <laughs>
0: that doesn't surprise me, Dave.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's all good. I love living here. That's really cool.
0: Now, uh, some of the stories that... Uh, a lot of the younger people have told me that involve you being a school bus driver. How did you How did you end up being a school bus driver?
1: Yes, I uh, I was inspired mainly just because I needed a, like a good year round job. Uh huh. I was tired of working in the bars and restaurants and whatever I could dig up. I never got into construction work. So uh,
0: right, that's one of the popular choices. Yeah.
1: So I had gone uh, through my EMT course and had gotten into the more into the community i found myself being trusted more you know oh okay because you know you got this big guy with long hair and a beard sure uh, kind of crazy in the eyes so (laughs) their parents are worried about you but um the parents trusted me um i got that job and that's what it was it was uh pretty much daylight till dawn um, taking the kids to gunnison i'd pick up kids in Powderhorn. Uh uh-huh in Gunnison County along the way on 149. And I wound up staying there during the day, you know, because it wasn't...
0: Well, it makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, there was really no jobs there because that's right when the school was going on, like the college and stuff. So uh-huh. All the part-time jobs were taken. So I wound up volunteering at the hospital, just for whatever they needed to do. Fell in with the, my friends at the lab, and, uh-huh. you know, they inspired me to... Uh, start thinking about medical stuff, so. Wow. Yeah, but I, I think I have the record at five years, so.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good, and the one amazing thing about these kids was, you know, we never wanted to go to school.
0: Nobody wants to go to school. <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, on bad days, I'd stop the bus and say, all right, we're staying or going. They're like, oh, please, Dave, let's go. Because you know? <laughs> I got my boyfriend down, I got sports, I got, you know. Uh huh. So I was just like always there. Um, I didn't have much trouble, had good uh, good students on there that would help me watch the road for the deer and things in the morning. So it was a good job, and uh, I fixed it up to where the school helped me out, to where they would uh, pay me year-round, you know?
0: Oh, that's nice, yeah.
1: So I had summers. Uh, I was really into EMS then, so had a lot of time to devote to that in the summertime. Uh-huh so and, you
0: were amt for a while
1: yeah i, I uh, was on the service for almost 20 years that's impressive i worked myself up to an intermediate level which is just under a paramedic so right yeah that's and a the, lot of training yeah and the county was so good with that you know we were struggling for crew so uh-huh. they pretty much put me through all that you know Paid that's for the schooling and the travel uh-huh you know i was totally into it so
0: that's really cool yeah that's uh that's uh, quite an undertaking and, and even the school bus driver that's what 55 miles each way something like that yeah yeah Before about an hour a school
1: a little over an hour a day on the road just depends on the weather um uh, but i had uh, been around heavy equipment and trucks my whole life oh, okay with my brother-in-law and being in the oil field so i have my cdl license so uh, uh, I could drive that bus, you know, with my eyes closed.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, compared to most of the other stuff. And
1: then uh right when I got the job, we got a nice new Bluebird bus that had uh you know, it was more for it was more winterized. It had automatic tire chains and nice uh brake inline brake retarder where you know, you could didn't have to get on your brakes so. uh uh-huh. That made it even easier, you know. A nice wow. powerful engine, you could go over the mountains with it.
0: Cuz it, it sound it sounds kind of um to me, at least, having having all those kids in your charge and, and driving fifty five miles through mountain roads in the winter, that would that would put me on edge.
1: Yeah, it did at first, and then I just developed a relationship with those guys, uh, and they knew me, and I they knew I knew their their folks. Right, and then our the guy that run the uh, the transportation office there in Gunnison, well, they did not like him. Oh really? He was uh, he was a pretty strict guy. So oh, okay, that's all I'd have to do is mention his name, and it'd be hush hush. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, you're trained to keep the mirror on him and watch him all the time. Uh huh. Well, that was distracting. So I told him, look, don't make me look at you in this mirror. Right.
0: Other than that, be we're watching fine. the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're fine. Yeah. You know?
1: Don't make me have to stop the bus and come back there, or don't scream. You know. Uh huh. Don't scare me. You know. Right. Don't fight. Yeah. So we all got along really well, and those are special, special times with special people.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, there was a school in Lake City.
1: Yeah, but it only got to the sixth grade.
0: Okay, so everything sixth grade up was yep, Gunnison. Yep, seven
1: through twelve went to Gunnison. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Wow, so that's the majority then, I would guess. Of, yeah, we the
1: had kids. we had a pretty good bus load there on and off. You know, some yeah. some years it wouldn't be that many people started moving in and uh-huh. you know that kind of thing so we had a pretty right. good pretty good load and a good crew on there
0: and that's and that's the job that doesn't exist in this area anymore now that we have a no a full and school. Uh,
1: it was really good because we had folks uh, going to college in, in Western State huh and the school would hire them to tutor and uh, mentor the bus, you know. Oh, okay. While they went to school in Gunnison, so uh-huh. it was a great free ride for them. Yeah, and they got to work with the kids, <clears throat> you know. Uh uh-huh. So that greatly helped. They didn't have it all the time, but a lot of years we had a someone going to school and back, you know, as an adult.
0: That is useful to have. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So when, when, when that gig ended, did was it then that you went straight into glassworking? Or? Yeah,
1: actually, <clears throat> I started while I was still on the job. Uh-huh. I'd always had the fascination for uh, glass, of course. Uh, I love making jewelry, so I would make jewelry down there in Gunnison while I sat around on the bus. Oh, okay. And then I started having folks ask me if I would wanted to sell it or whatever. So, And I used to get a magazine... Uh, It was about beads and um, Bead and Button Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I read an article about a guy that made his own glass beads and uh, he kind of became my mentor. So I uh, found a little homemade glass bead making kit in Boulder at the bead shop. Oh. I brought it home, set it up on the kitchen table and started. I didn't know a thing about the compatibility of different glasses. Okay. So I would just find cool glass around, you know, around this little town, you know, uh-huh. like out of the mines and things.
0: Oh, the the old glass.
1: Yeah. So I I figured out that that blue, the cobalt blue, worked really well.
0: hmm And that was quite
1: popular back yeah, then. I've yeah. Yeah. Seeing a lot of sure. fragments. So I got a good bead down, mm-hmm. and then I, uh, in about a month, I went back to Boulder and showed her what I was doing, and she's like, "You want to sell those?" Oh, I'm like, sure. Yeah. And then through her, I had other people calling me because it was kind of a wow. Kind of a oddity, a rarity then that someone would make their own handmade ones, you know. Huh. There was one other lady in Denver that made incredible aquarium beads. Uh-huh. So I worked myself up to do that. Um, and then uh, I got to where I was making a living off of it.
0: That's pretty impressive. I'd,
1: I'd just go on the road. I'd stop at different bead shops and right off the bat, they would snack them up, you know. Wow. And I could also work on the road. Uh-huh. So it was really fun and uh, rewarding, and I got into uh, some of your glass shows and things, and met other glass artists that did things that I was looking to do. Oh right! So I just built it up from beads to sculpture to wine glasses, uh, teaching. You know,
0: that's that's really impressive. So you're you're really self-taught.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I've had some. I have a couple of mentors that I've taken classes with. Uh huh. It's always helpful, you know.
0: It is it is good when you can share when you're when you're with fellow uh, professionals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exchange some ideas. And.
1: Yeah. So you know, being here in this little town, well, it, no one had really seen that happening. So no, I had an opportunity to get into a little shop space downtown, uh, and I did that. And I just always had a shop downtown. Right. Always had plenty of customers in the summer, and then. When I stood, started doing ornaments and things like that, I had people calling me uh-huh. wanting Christmas ornaments, wanting jewelry, you know, that kind of thing. And then I did this little class with a guy uh, that used cremains, uh, your ashes, oh, okay, yeah. to uh, make jewelry out of. Well, that, uh-huh. that was a big hit for a long time.
0: Yeah, that's and, and that's, from what I've seen online, that's still quite a, a yeah, sought-after thing. Yeah, it is.
1: And, uh, and these days, since the... The marijuana has become legal. Yeah. You know, I always had people from right off the bat when I started blowing glass that uh, asked me if I made pipes. So Oh, sure. I was kind of skeptical here in this little town and uh, uh-huh. I just kind of kept it with my friends, you know?
0: Right. If you, if you ask, I'll make you one. Yeah, want.
1: exactly. And, uh, you know, I didn't care. Then I got a good customer in Montrose that kept me busy. Uh-huh. God, you know, all the time making them. Before, there were so many people into it. Uh-huh now it's like everybody i follow some pages on facebook that are just like every day there's somebody new getting into it somewhere colorado's flooded with them the united states is just flooded with with these artists that have dreams of making it in the marijuana world you know yeah as far as custom pipes and sure i've seen them go up to like ten thousand dollars really yeah and be commissioned for them you know that's
0: uh that's hard to imagine
1: yeah it really is and uh, the, the techniques that they develop on their own just kind of makes my jaw drop, you
0: know. Oh, really? I'm like,
1: yeah. I understand how they did it. Uh-huh. But how did you get there to to make it work, to Gets pull to it off, point. you know. it's Because yeah. it's, it's not that easy.
0: Well, I, re- I remember it sitting and watching you work.
1: Worked out really good for me. Um, gosh, I started doing that in 1990. Uh-huh. And uh, been at it ever since, you know, around the with uh, my partners at the artist collective yeah that was one of the best things best roles i've been on you know we shut the collective down uh business was slow there uh different uh a different type of folks class of folks started showing up that i noticed that weren't really into the arts or you know mm-hmm. t-shirt and a six-pack of beer and gas well <laughs> they were fine you know of course yeah. i always had my my collectors and my my old customers that always supported me, but absolutely you know without new folks coming in, you kind of lose you know lose what you're trying to do so
0: yeah yeah it, but it uh
1: it it's just all changed up there in probably a couple three years um I think that's not only for us but uh maybe regional or nationwide you know
0: it could be it could be yeah. and uh, yeah, and I don't really know you know how or why that happened but i remember what i remember most about the collective were the the parties you know everybody got to hang out it was more like a, a club
1: it was and uh and it was a great experience to, ho- to host uh you know like artists and you know things like that uh yeah. just to bring people in and Show them exactly what you do. Uh, gosh, there was sometimes in there that was just a madhouse, you know? It was, it was. And you couldn't hear anything because everyone was talking, and some uh-huh. people would be watching me. Yep. People would be asking Skylar questions, Carol, Patrice, you know, uh-huh. everybody that was in there. Yeah. All our artists would be there, and uh, those were really wonderful, fun times. And uh, for Lake City, I think that was pretty good.
0: And I think it was unique. It's, and in a small town... I think there's, there's something about being out in the mountains and in a small town where you you kind of have these, even if they're kind of hidden away, there's a lot of uh, creative types. And I think that having a collective like that was really kind of a, a, an egalitarian thing because it gave people a chance who there's no way that they could afford to have shop space. And, and you would take them in and like, uh, you know, uh, teenagers who were making jewelry or, or uh, Mike and his made his fractals
1: exactly you
0: know and you gave everybody an opportunity to, uh, to actually re- reach potential customers and, and pursue their interests And I think that was for me that was the greatest thing about the collective and that's what I miss really
1: well me too and it was uh, because I realized uh, early on uh, that we do have some really talented folks that are here and they they do their art. um, Sometimes you would never even know. Yeah. You know, we've had like, uh, gosh, world-class artists live here before and they'd go do the big shows and travel. And, Uh you know, so I always uh, had that in the back of my mind that if if we could ever pull something like that off, well, it would be a hit. Because, you know, we had them just coming out of the woodwork, you know, and we, uh, we were somewhat selective about what we took. Absolutely. You know, yeah, you have, you you have, have to be. be. Yeah, you can't have anything really repetitive, and uh-huh. you know, I would always bring them in the door. Or they'd look over there and see that flame twinkling, and <laughs> they'd just have to come see. Um, so that kind of brought them in the door. You know, uh, Schuyler with his the wonderful things he did, and mm-hmm. a public figure as he was, you know. Oh, absolutely. They He's would, would want to come. And, yeah, they would want to come and see him. You know, too. So. Uh huh. It was like uh, it was a lot of action that kept us really going and motivated, and you know,
0: yeah. And and I, I really liked the. It, it almost it almost had its own. It brought its own vibe to downtown. I mean, we only have two blocks of downtown, but it it you know it just felt like a like I was saying like a, a community space. And I I think that that's especially in a small town. It just seems right that the businesses you know should have things from that town does that make sense
1: yes it does and that was uh like right time and right part of the world you know yeah uh, definitely but that for that for us to be able to pull that off here and, yeah uh, i consider myself very fortunate and uh, to just to be a part of it mhm you know and uh, participate with everyone and, and you know it's a it's a big learning process too you you know you say like uh bartenders are like uh, psychologists, you know <laughs> yeah, well, true. I tell you, I've done enough of my I've done some therapy work out of there and uh uh-huh. and that's what I loved about it because people knew they could come and just talk, just sit down and talk you know they didn't have to buy anything or right if they were you know i and I would invite them just to come and watch and sit down and if you need to get something off your chest, well go for it, you know uh-huh. And I got a lot of uh, joy out of just getting to know people better
0: definitely i know I know that I did um for sure just in a few you know the the few parties that that I was at you know it was it was great because you you got again you got such a diverse range of people coming even if they weren't artists. You had, you know, uh, wealthy people from other towns or you had locals coming in that you that you rarely see. And it was just nice to get people in that same space coming together.
1: Yeah. And and it's nice to inspire people, too, especially young folks Mm -hmm. that come in and they you can just see the creativity in their eyes. You know, it's just looking for something to latch on to. Yeah. And then turn it into something. So that, that was one of my favorite things is to. Just show young folks what's going on with it and, you know, show them that they they can open their minds and they don't have to, you know, conform to society or whatever. Just right. live in your, you know, live your dreams. And, um, I wouldn't take nothing for that experience or my time here.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever go back to Southeast Texas?
1: I know I haven't been down there in 20 years. So uh-huh. Because it's just so damned, uh populated, it's fast world, uh, a lot of mean people right a lot of racism and you know. that's
0: that I mean I've never been that far mm-hmm. uh, southeast, but that's that's what I hear yeah
1: yeah I never um, that was one thing that I always just you know mm-hmm. did my best to stay away from you were raised with folks like that like uh, where I went to school um, uh-huh. was a dry county, and there was also no blacks. Wow. So we were kind of branded as, you know, as being racist. So yeah, I never was. And uh, but we would get, uh, we'd get, you know, trouble. We'd go over to the 7-Eleven, get a six pack of beer and, Uh and they'd be like, you know, in those days you could tell by the license plates that Oh, okay. Kind of like around here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) we were confronted many times, uh, Hmm. just because of where we lived and it worked both ways. And One thing my dad told me at a really young age, uh, because I'd ask him about the Ku Klux Klan, I had friends that their parents were into, into it, you know. Uh And he told me, uh, "Don't ever do anything where you had to hide your face."
0: Okay, that that's a pretty good rule to live by. Yeah. So
1: I always thought that, you know, I mean,
0: that's that's really wild. I mean, I I I remember when I worked uh, in Austin and I would pull all drawings for the facilities you know, that we were working on, and you'd see the segregated uh, uh, drinking fountains. And and that was really as close as I'd ever got, because I I, I saw the movies, you know, the civil rights activists from the 60s on, on TV. I, I learned about that, but I was never really exposed to it firsthand. And, and then to see that and, and to hear today about you being uh, even harassed for living in the same county, um, know because of their policies
1: yeah um, no never went to school with uh, black folks or pretty much any ethical you know folks Um, one year I think it was in the sixth grade I had to go I failed school and I had to go to summer school Uh uh-huh so that was over in a different county which was mainly blacks okay and i had never had such a good time in my life and and I made close fast friends with those folks and learned that you know we're all just people, and that's it. You know, that's it, and it doesn't matter, you know. Um, we're all just people, and we we have to live together. And we have to make get along. But uh, that was a great experience for me, a learning experience.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it would have been mm-hmm. when because uh, you you uh, you came here in your twenties, is that right? Yeah I, yeah,
1: I got here in 1984, so I was like 26 years old.
0: And uh, do do you think that because? Uh, a lot of small towns also have kind of a reputation do you, do you, did you notice that it was uh similar or, or very different to to where you came from
1: well it it was very different and uh you know not many uh we're all just who we are here when i got here uh we were people would say it's just an open air asylum you know (laughs) and it really was it let me uh it let me be creative and it let me uh not have to conform you know Uh Um, wonderful wonderful people here i've never felt any type of uh, vibe like that you get folks that come in and you know from other places from the south or whatever yeah well they try to you know get you going but it's really fun just to put them in their place, you know. <laughs> I can just
0: imagine you doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No one's better than anybody else.
0: This has been your home for forty years. What is the the biggest thing that has kept you here? You speak a lot about uh, not having to conform. Is it the the freedom of your lifestyle, or is there something else that really ties you here?
1: No, it is the freedom of it. Um, You can do whatever you want to do. I've done things that I would never had an opportunity to do um, anywhere else. I mean, I've been through all kinds of situations, especially with EMS, where I got to fly on helicopters. Oh, wow. Uh, When our sheriff got killed, Uh I immediately was like part of the SWAT team. Really? Yeah. I was out there with with an AR-15. Wow. It was handed to me by the government. And so that was pretty amazing, you know, Yeah, you work close knit with those guys. Uh-huh. That's something I'll never forget about. Um, and then just the people you meet and the, and the friends you make from, you know, influence, influential people in Texas or all over the country. I mean, truly all over the country, I have friends that just a phone call was all it would take. And they always tell me, if you ever get to wherever will come and see me. You know, I got a room for you. I got some private house mm-hmm. with a pool and, yep. you know, and I've taken up uh, people a lot on that offer, especially when I was traveling and I'd never been such, so well taken care of.
0: Yeah. The, and, and you mentioned that there's, that there've been a couple of people in this last year that was, Hey, come out to Florida or come out to here. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: No, you make friends with them and you show them that, you know, you're a good person and, Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of take care of them in your own way while they're here. You know, you kind of take them under your wing and, yeah, you know, accept them. And, and gosh, I've had great, great experiences with that. But mainly for me as a young man, it was the mountains. Uh-huh. It was being able to just get out into the wilderness and see uh, this amazing, amazing country that we get to live in here. Uh, so I spent uh, many years just doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just doing the peaks yep um camping out i would we would uh had a great camp to where a few of us would stay in the summer while we were working in hopes of saving money for a apartment in the winter sure yeah so uh, we would camp out all summer long that was some of the best times i've ever had living in the rough like that and uh i was always good at it because that's the way my people were you know my my grandparents they were all wilderness people and outdoor, okay. outdoor people, you know.
0: So you already had the skill set.
1: Yeah, I knew how to hunt, I knew how to fish, I knew how to cook on the, over the fire. Uh-huh. You know, I knew how to go quietly through the woods. Yep. That's and a good one. Uh, you know, um and just be aware of where you're at instead of walking along with your head down looking at the ground, you you hold your head up and open your eyes and you take it all in, you know. Uh-huh. It's yeah. amazing the things that'll come out to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know and be recognized
0: it really is and, and I think I think that, that part of it is just being out here and you you're forced to engage your senses once you're once you're out in the wilderness you know your 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 senses are almost assaulted you know by the, the the smells of the trees and and the dirt that you kick up when you're trying to climb yes and, and the bird song and the squirrels that are upset at you and, yes and there have been uh, a couple of times where when I've been out I could smell a moose before I saw him.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um just encounters like that with exotic animals, I would say, like moose, mountain lion, uh-huh. bobcats, coyotes, you know, uh, I even got to see a Wolverine a couple Really? I knew where one lived, yeah, and I would I would go and just sit on the some downfall timber and uh uh-huh. and sure enough, you know, come out
0: that's that's amazing i've never seen a wolf yeah like that.
1: And, I, and i know he knew i was there you know yeah but i was just not threatening to him
0: that's it that's it that's that's all it is people you know people sometimes they're they're terrified of the local wildlife but i i think the wildlife of course they they see you long before you see them absolutely and they know they can tell if you're going to be a problem or not
1: no they know they know this and they've they, you know for since the beginning of time yeah, you know they've had that knowledge, and
0: that's it. That's how they've made it this far. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and we have a whole lot to live, a whole lot to learn and live by, from uh, our brothers, Absolutely. four-legged brothers, and our winged brothers and sisters. Yeah, uh, we do.
0: I mean, they. I, I think a lot of people think that they're dumb animals, but I. <laughs> I, I think that you know, be, just because they can't speak English, you know, there's there's a lot of things that they can teach us. I know I've seen. I've read about I read stories about where uh, bears will sit and watch the sunset, and I've seen uh, spots in early winter like we are now where uh, a lone elk will uh, is bedded down at the edge of a cliff. You know, it's it's not a it's not a safe space for him to be on open ground, but he's he I'm certain to this day that he was there for the view,
1: right? You know, and the smells and the opportunities, you know, that's it. Yeah, it's really amazing in this country. Yeah. Just it's very, very remote, but it's been habit- inhabited since you know, I think like the beginning of mankind. You know, we found mm-hmm. way back from the paleo days, uh, you know, migratory people, yeah, um, uh, they knew how to live, you know, absolutely, they knew about uh, they knew the 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 deal between uh, humans and animals, you know, um, uh, the the offerings. That the animals make to the humans well they they always give it back mm-hmm. they respected them you know
0: that's right
1: that's how they live so well in it uh, sometimes i think i was born way too late because <laughs> <laughs> and i believe uh that probably i was doing that you know one time or another in my life
0: oh i can believe that mm-hmm. yeah it's a simpler way of life but it's more in tune you know with the rest of the natural world
1: yeah it's just a wonderful experience and uh, there again, I'm just so grateful f- to to be able to have those experiences and uh, not be influenced by anything but my own mind.
0: Uh huh. And I think I think talking to you today and and knowing you, there's a there's a definite theme of uh, uh, freedom and and coexistence. Is, would you say that's your that's what you live by? Exactly. Yeah. Because Co-ex-
1: coexistence, especially.
0: Yeah. And I know that you're, you know, you're a fan of, um, I guess, the open road. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I love to travel. I love the open road. I like, uh, I like the part uh, that you don't know about the the experience of finding places. Um, there you go again. Just being aware of the country and the land. Uh uh-huh. But yeah, I'm definitely a traveler. Um, you know, I'm a people person, mm-hmm. and. I think living here has given me more of the ability just to look someone in the eye and smile. And uh, that's all it takes, you know. No matter what country you're in, no matter where you are, uh-huh. you can tell when people are, there's good people, you know.
0: That's right. There's always good people.
1: And it's just like the animals. You can you know when someone's up to no good or, you know, you can really spot that. It's, uh, you know, sometimes yeah, you get out, caught off guard, but you know how to handle yourself.
0: That's right, you know you, I, I think in a small town like this where you don't really have those uh, tight parameters that you find in a city, you're able to be yourself, and maybe that's why people who come to a town like this, they see that the locals are a friendly bunch because they can be themselves. Exactly. And they're, they're more open than, than you in a city, I, I think you, you take on a, a, a guarded way of, of being. Uh, but you know everybody in a small town.
1: Yeah, you do, and you uh, you learn about people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's all about people. Well, thanks, David. This has been a great interview. I've really uh, you're enjoyed. very
1: welcome, Greg. It's a pleasure to do this with you. Um, I've always thought about writing some memoirs or books on things that I've done because um, I... I've done so much that a lot of it I don't recall until it just hits me one day. Right until you forced you're forced like, to oh, think about gosh, it. Oh gosh, I remember that. You know? <laughs> wow, I remember when we did this. You remember when we got stuck in the mountains for two days? And,
0: <laughs> I think you should.
1: Yeah, I remember when my snowmobile belt broke in the middle of the night on my birthday, and <laughs> I crawled out of Rambley Park on all fours. It's the only way I could walk through the snow. So.
0: Oh, that would have been a long night. It was a long night. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that one next. Yeah, time. That, was, that was really good. So. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. Uh, Absolutely. All right. We'll talk again soon.